In this episode, we talk the new Lexus RZ. This week on the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin Watts, founder of Lexus Enthusiast, and joining me is our executive editor, Michael Pannone. How are you doing, Mike? Hey, Kevin. I am uh, better than last time with my Wi-Fi situation. <laughs> I had to get I had to get my box replaced, but uh, I think that should be smoother this time. So I'm good. How are you? <laughs> well, the good thing is is that no one really heard about our little problems that we had last episode. So <laughs> thanks to your editing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm really glad Lexus came through this week, just at the deadline, giving us something to talk about, and that something is the announcement of the new Lexus RZ crossover coupe. What were your first impressions of these teaser images? I was kind of surprised. So it was interesting because the asset, like there were a lot of different assets that came out sort of like over a one hour period. The first thing that I saw was that video that teased like the sketch of the front, the sketch of the rear, and then the sketch of the profile. And then I saw like some of the assets from the press room. And then they also did a couple pictures and some assets from the art installation that they did for it. So there was, yep. there was a lot of different stuff that came out all at the same time. My first thought when I saw some of those, I think the front end and the back end of it look really sharp, look really, really, really good. Like the front of it looks nice. Like we're continuing to see the evolution of Lexus design with headlights and grills and uh, some of the shapes in the bumpers. But the back end of it looked really good. The the back end, you know, I'm not fully in on uh, the kind of full horizontal light bar, but the back end kind of looked like Porsche Panamera Gran Turismo to me. It well, looks 100 percent. Yeah, like it, and you and I've talked a bit before about Lexus design kind of becoming a little bit Porsche esque in some ways. And uh, when I saw that, I was like, number one, damn, that looks good. Number two, damn, that looks a lot like the Panamera Gran Turismo. <laughs> Oh, so, absolutely. What do you think? Actually, you know what? I thought it looked a lot like the concept, the LFC concept, mm -hmm. but it just looked kind of chunky compared to that. <laughs> it looked like it, maybe it, it had beefed up a little bit. And I don't know. I some, For some reason, it really changed the look of it. I've really found it to look a lot like the, the current, actually the current RX mm -hmm. in terms of its uh, side profile. And I don't know necessarily if, if that's just that little uh, glass hook in the back, the uh, the floating roof design. It's hard, really. We're working off teaser images. Right. And we're working off sketches and things like that. So you can't really form a full opinion. I think that they really stuck close to the concept. I was surprised, like you said, like with the rear. At first, I thought, oh, that, that doesn't look anything like the concept. But it's almost identical. Mm -hmm. And same with the front is like what we can see of the front is very close. But overall, if we were looking at the LFZ and we were projecting out a production model, I mean, this is what it would look like. Yeah. People, every time we see something that goes from concept to production, maybe short of the LC500, there's always people who are should have looked less like the concept. I, I agree with you that the origin, like the first couple of things I saw were the front end and the back end. And I was like, wow, like that looks even honestly, I thought it looked even better than the LFZ actually. Like again, that sort of like Panamera-esque looking back end. I was like, wow, that looks really sharp. And then I saw the front end and I was like, I didn't have the expectation that the LFZ front end was going to make production, probably because I've seen it in person and seen a lot of the shapes on the LFZ. And do you remember how the grill? 
grill in the front end and the LFZ kind of have that almost Lego building block around the grill. Like there's those yeah. sort of like chunky elements that lead into the grill. Like we talked mm-hmm. about it after I came back from Plano, but that's not scalable for a production car. <laughs> so no, I wasn't a lot of detail. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't expecting that, but I saw the front end and I saw the back end and I was like, damn, like this thing looks really, really nice. And then I saw the side profile and I agree with you that when I saw the side profile, I was like, oh, to, and for me, that's where it looks not significantly different, but different from the LFC because the LFC mm-hmm. had a longer hood and sort of kind of more rear wheel drive proportions. And yeah. then when I saw the side profile of the RZ, it seemed like a little bit more front wheel drive esque, which I don't quite understand because I don't think it's necessary with electric, <laughs> an electric platform, an electric car to have those sort of overhangs. I mean, I know you mentioned crash test safety and stuff, but anyway, I, I guess we'll still have to see what it looks like when the time comes. But when I was looking at that, I was sort of like, oh, it kind of lost that swept back rear wheel drive ish yeah, shape. Yeah, I I feel like the the proportions, the side profile proportions, I think where it differs the most, as you said, is in the hood and just in the ride height. Mm-hmm. And those two things combined give it a more traditional look. Mm-hmm. And I was expecting more of, you know, as we were talking about talking about Porsche, I was expecting something more in the shape of, say, a Cayenne. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the EQS, right? The mm-hmm. Mercedes EQS. Mm-hmm. And and just that it has like the sort of a, a, a bulkiness to it. Yeah. The design. Yeah. And I feel like that's also maybe what we're seeing here with the RZ. I wonder what it has to do with like the batteries, where the batteries have to go, and all of the things that are happening underneath the sheet metal. And I think that, you know, you remember with the LC500, you know how they talked about the the front mm-hmm. uh, suspension and how much work they had to do with the front suspension to make it look the like low hood line yeah yeah exactly and i just wonder if this is a case where they had to make a trade-off to reach production that said i mean this is lexus's first dedicated ev model there's a lot more to this car than the way that it looks and I don't necessarily think that it looks bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that you you see the, the the progression from concept to production. And I guess I'm one of those people that you're talking about where they say, oh, they should have kept it more. Like I really liked the LFC. I did yeah. too. And that's not to say that when we see the full production of the RZ that we're not going to be able to say that we're not going to be equally impressed. It's just that from the teasers, there's just enough of a difference. One of the things I was thinking about with this is when I saw the LFZ in person in Plano, to me, it almost looked like the missing link between like the LS and the LC because it had that long hood, the yeah. swept back shape. And it was like, it almost in a sense could have looked like the shooting break version of the LC 500, which I know sounds crazy, but it was, it was yeah. really sleek and you had all those proportional elements. So we went from the LFC looking something that appeared very much like a, a true flagship vehicle to the RZ, which, you know, looks like what it is like midsize RX ish, like probably 60, 70, $80,000 price point versus like 80, 90, $100,000 price point. So I don't know, maybe that's part of it. Were you surprised that they continued on with this floating roof design? Yeah. Cause I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it, but I would have thought that it would fade away after this generation of RX. I'm surprised because, you know, really, you look at this, you look at the NX, it's very easy to see what a next generation RX is going to look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And 
this is really interesting because I did feel as though we were seeing something that was going to be elevated, whereas what we're actually seeing is something that kind of sits with the RX. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right about the price point. Like, this is going to be a really expensive vehicle if it's EV only. I think which so it too. has to be because of the platform, right? Right. Because that's the one thing that when I was looking at the LFZ, I thought they're going to release this as a as an EV, obviously. But wouldn't it be amazing if it was just a brand new model? I just thought that it could become a, you know, a staple, a full-fledged model as opposed to dedicated EV. But because of the platform, that's just not possible. Yeah. And when we were chatting a bit before about the proportions and being rear-wheel drive or being front-wheel drive, I think it's quite possible the RZ and the BZ4X from Toyota may share the same platform, in which case the BZ4X does have a front-wheel drive drive variant. There's also an all-wheel drive option. I'm not an expert on like platform packaging, but I feel like a lot of the other things we've seen from electric vehicles of other brands is like when you lose having to have an engine and a transmission and everything, you know, over the front wheels, it's a lot easier to cut back on overhang and things like that. But I don't know exactly how they put the platform together, you know, knowing that the BZ4X has a little bit more of a front wheel drive look to it. Like maybe there's some relation there with the RZ that will end up making sense. So it's front wheel drive, but it's not going to be offered with a gasoline or a hybrid option. Right. The BZ4X is also on ETNGA. Yeah. Okay. Anybody out there having their fingers crossed for a gas or hybrid RZ, it's time to to shelf those uh, <laughs> right <laughs> shelf, shelf those dreams yeah but it's pretty interesting because the wheelbase we know we were doing a little bit of math before mm-hmm. the wheelbase of this bz4x mm-hmm. is just below the highlander yep like if these are in fact stable mates which all signs point to that being the case. We're looking at a fairly large vehicle, and I don't know that I saw that getting into this. Yeah, I, I agree. The RX now has like a 109-inch wheelbase, and the Highlander has like a 112 point something, like almost 13-inch wheelbase. Mm-hmm. And the BZ4X also has a 112-inch wheelbase. So if, it come, if the RZ comes with the same wheelbase, roughly, I guess, as the Highlander or something, it would be bigger because the RZ now will already have a longer wheelbase than the current RX. Granted, we know that there's a new RX you know, around the corner here. Do you think it'll be two-row or three-row? <laughs> Maybe we'll see an RZ and an RZL. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't I don't know because the thing about uh, electric vehicles like you said you know there's no engine right there's a lot more flexibility in both design and in packaging mm-hmm I feel like there's a lot of room in this car and I wonder if we're gonna see some mini you know seats in the back you know similar to the to the Highlander and similar to the RXL you make a good point on that too. I didn't think about the Tesla Model X, like despite having a fairly similar shape, you know, the greenhouses. Well, let me say, I'm not a fan of the Model X, honestly, for this reason. I think it looks like an egg. Um, but, but you know, you're right that when you don't have as many mechanical components, it's easier to kind of tuck seats in there and lower the floor height. So yeah, I don't know. I'm expecting two seats, I guess, probably also because it's an R, which we know Lexus sees as midsize. Right. But then the other thing from what we've been able to glean from the BZ4X is the range of this um, EV platform that Toyota is developing. And 
the range is is only you know 250 miles and yep that's a little surprising i i would have expected it to be a little bit higher yeah and that's the front wheel drive model and i'm expecting too that once you know that lexus has been pretty adamant about you know direct four and they've talked a lot about it and things like that so if we are looking at this thing coming with probably standard all-wheel drive i would assume or like a higher performance all-wheel drive system i have to assume that that's going to take some power away as well and uh toyota has not released the mileage number for the all-wheel drive bz4x the 250 is just for the front wheel drive so it'll be interesting because there was some talk about like there still being room in the platform for a slightly bigger battery or a slightly higher capacity battery and i hope that for the sake of being premium and a more premium product that they could do something like that because i think like right now we've seen that the most successful positioning of electric vehicles is having them be premium and i think that the the rz will need to come with some better hardware than the bz4x yeah yeah to justify yeah the, the price did you read about when uh the uh, toyota ev is going to be coming out Yes, they the uh, the BZ4X they say right now will be at dealers in mid 2022, which I think is about similar to what Lexus said. Yeah, so Lexus has said that basically the same timeline, mid 2022 in dealers. I wonder if what we're seeing them saving the all-wheel drive version for a Lexus announcement. Mm-hmm. I um, bet you're right. And so that they have uh, something to kind of sink their teeth into in terms of marketing value. You know, <laughs> But, you know, it's it's exciting. It's very infrequent for Lexus to, to debut a brand new model. And so it's there's going to be a lot going on with this. It's it's pretty exciting. You know, first dedicated EV. I'm really excited about this. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that although I am not excited about the price tag, I'm sure it's going to be quite high. <laughs> I think so too. I, I I bet it's gonna. I bet at you it's gonna start like around or just under seventy k. What do you think? Yeah, I would say what we're looking at a very premium vehicle, mm-hmm. particularly to start off with. But speaking of you know Toyota new models, everything like that, this new GR Corolla Cross that Toyota has just revealed is is really something else. And it's got and your name all over it. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> speaking of models that I would like to see a pairing with Lexus, mm-hmm. I have to say like this is this is a real opportunity for for Lexus to kind of get back into the the small car small SUV you know with the bang because there's a lot about this Corolla Cross that's appealing yeah we've talked a little bit about how we kind of wish that the ux had been more closely related to the corolla cross than the chr yeah that was maybe a timing issue because this is definitely a better pairing Mm -hmm. we're looking at you know a fairly dynamic vehicle there's the opportunity for these you know this like gr variant which opens the door for a sport performance or or anything like that so i'm really hoping that the next new model that lexus announces <laughs> is some sort of crossover with this toyota i i hope so too at some point i don't remember where it was but there was an announcement somewhere sometime that was like 
a new Lexus like crossover for young active families. And that was after the NX. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they're talking about RZ. Maybe they're talking about RX. I don't know. But, you know, my opinion is still the best thing they could do would be come out with like a baby version of the GX. Yeah, that's a huge market now. Yeah. I mean, basically all I ever see on the road are Broncos. Yeah. That's all I see. They're just everywhere. And, you know, just the appeal of that vehicle, it really speaks to, you know, a lifestyle. People Mm -hmm. really identify with that Jeep, Mm -hmm. small Ute concept. It's definitely something I'd like to see. You know, Lexus is very interested in in this off-road and off-road community and the idea of glamping and and all that. And, uh, but you like my glamping use? No, you're right. You're totally right. That's what's funny about it. But so, you know, for Lexus to do something in that vein, man. So there is definitely a lot of room for for Lexus to add new models. And I wonder, you know, with their ability to tap into the Toyota lineup, if we're going to see more and more Lexuses, I mean, that would be a real departure from... I Lexus. hope. I got to hope so. I mean, all the all the parts are there and in the, the age of TNGA, it's easier to do it. So why not? Just to wrap up what we were talking about with the RZ, like I was actually quite surprised about how it was twinned with the Toyota. I, I don't know necessarily that I saw that coming. Mm. I, just because of their the difference in their concept designs, I wasn't expecting for them to be so obviously closely related if you if you look at the bz4x like it looks like the rz yeah except with sort of a shell of a rav4 like it's got a lot of rav4 elements yeah in the rear and kind of a softer front end like that. yeah exactly but i was really surprised to see them so closely aligned and I mean, I should have seen it, but I guess maybe just my notion of what the RZ was going to become was just a little bit different. And yeah, so then, and just wrapping up, there's a few like general automotive things I thought we could discuss. Okay, lay it on me. And, And the first one is the release of the new Genesis G90. I can't believe this brand is still investing in flagship sedans. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, they are following the Lexus blueprint, like the original Lexus blueprint, like to a fault. Yeah, maybe when the blueprint has changed or should have changed considering the market. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. I know you don't like it at all, this uh, G90. I like the audacity of it. Like they have like this idea. I don't know if they're like designing a car for like, the Korean government Mm. or like, I don't know if they have like a specific vision of what this car is going to bring to their brand, but it's really surprising that they didn't do something like a a large crossover. I mean, that's, that has actually been Genesis struggle from the very beginning. Cause if you remember when they first launched out of, out of the Hyundai dealerships, all they had was the uh, G80 and the Equus slash like G90 and the dealers Mm -hmm. were like dying for like they really were dying for SUVs because you know I don't know this market yeah. has been like this since about 2016 you know I, I think you're right I think part of it's like a prestige move I think it's like I, and I, I agree that I think big sedans like the LS and the S class and everything still have the prestige factor but for an emerging brand that's trying to make it I'm surprised that they didn't put the resources more into some sort of SUV like we saw it with Lexus with their transition from you know trying to remove sedans out of their lineup mm-hmm. you know trying to trying to clean up their lineup so that they could compete you know with the Germans they just abandoned things like i'm i am 100% convinced that there was a new GS ready and they were like oh, we're not going to do this i think so too 
Yeah, I think so too. Like, we're not going to release this car. Like, it's not worth it. And I'm just really surprised that the people at Genesis weren't like, didn't feel the same thing. Like, this is great. We love this car, but we're not going to do it because it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some kind of, I wonder if there's some sort of like Accio Toyota angle here in that you know how Akio Toyota is like committed to certain things and has these like products that he really cares about yeah like the sort of pet project kind of uh like the things you're really proud of and you're going to do anyway it's <laughs> basically the best way to think yeah, about exactly. it yeah exactly like like damn the results this is what we're doing i don't want to hear anybody saying anything otherwise mm-hmm. And I wonder if maybe it's just a, a case of that. And it'd be interesting, like whatever they're expecting to get out of this, the release of this vehicle, I don't have the slightest idea. But I also think that it's also hard for us to put ourselves in the position of like the Chinese market where, you know, these large sedans are still a strong contender. I, and this might be betraying our, you know, our North American bias. But at the same time, it's it's definitely a puzzling move. The uh, the China, the other thing too that I wonder about is we know of course because of the LM that the Chinese market is big on minivans as like the ultimate luxury statement too. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. And, and you know we saw this week or I guess it was last week Lincoln just released a new Zephyr sedan I think just for China. So you're right yeah. that like I think yeah. the Chinese market is still interested in sedans much more so I guess than you know North America and some others. So I don't know maybe maybe it's a good move for them. Yeah, and then like. Obviously, they flagship sedans are, are a huge thing in China. Mm-hmm. And then wrapping it up, I got to hear your hot take on this BMW XM concept. My hot take. <laughs> yeah, I was impressed to read like 750 horsepower hybrid V8 performance SUV like that. Yeah. I, I was talking to a friend actually recently about how BMW product kind of struggles above midsize. The BMW formula is really good at like the three series X3, five series X5 level, but the seven series has kind of always been like a has been, you know, the eight series. I think I'm one of the few people who really likes the eight series, but I think right product, wrong time. So BMW sort of has a history of like their flagship product and anything above, you know, five quote unquote not doing that great. I think that this is a step in the right direction towards them being able to do a flagship product that will be more successful. But uh, that front end and actually that back end are pretty rough, (laughs) pretty rough. What did you think? Well, the minute I saw it, I thought, is this how people felt about the Lexus spindle grill? Like, Mm. am I experiencing the feelings that other people had about what Lexus did, you know, in 2013? Mm Mm-hmm with the, their their oversized grill but look at how this has played out like lexus was ahead of the curve with this and i just don't know if it's like actually ugly this xm or if this is what the future looks like i just cannot get over how this was released like who looked at this car and thought this is what it should look like mm-hmm. even as a concept <laughs> it's so overdone I, I think we have talked about this before i think that bmw has been not I think, like I know we've seen it in some of uh, the performance around like sales of some of their models, but Mercedes has done a fairly good job of updating products and keeping them fresh and changing grills and adding new trims and adding more AMG models. 
they have done well. At the same time, say what you want about the spindle grill, whether you like it or not. Lexus has been pretty successful in delivering product that at least is, you know, interesting people are buying. BMW, you know, on and off probably for the last decade, we've been reading things that dealers are frustrated, feeling like the product isn't evolving enough or isn't different enough. And I kind of wonder if some of the things they're doing with like the new M grills, like the grill on the M3 and the grill on the M4, I think that BMW is under pressure right now from dealers and buyers and the market to do some different things. And I think that's a lot of what I see in this concept is like, I think that if you really step back and think about it, BMW design just hasn't changed that much. Like they can, you know, which you and I talk about this too, but it's sort of like Porsche where it's like they tweak, they edit, they change and it's great, but that's sort of like a different level in the market than where BMW is at. And, you know, BMW has been sort of showed up by Mercedes and Lexus who are pushing the envelope, trying new things, new grills, no pro new profiles, new packages. And BMW still just kind of looks like a BMW. So I think that might be some of the inspiration for that concept. The thing is, is that they're so locked into that kidney grill. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that that will ever change. It's a part of their identity and there's no way that, and they're really the only brand other than Lexus now that is so committed to a specific front end. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if maybe it's just a case of them trying as much as they can to like push the envelope, like you said, of their, you know, signature kidney grill. Yep. And this is what we get. But I am like I'm honestly shocked every time I see one of these new M products. That's like, rough. I'm shocked. <laughs> like, that I just thought it was so funny because you know, not to beat on a dead horse about the spindle grill, but like that was really a controversial yeah. kind of thing for years and years. And it was, I wonder if this is just the case of, of the same thing happening at BMW that happened at Lexus mm-hmm. because Lexus did get better, but BMW actually seems to be getting worse. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're going to go through, I think they're going to go through a period where uh, they're going to have to figure this out, honestly, the same way that Lexus did. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. We'll see, like, who knows this XM. I think people are saying, yeah, actually, I did read that. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be called X8, but the last couple rumors I've seen around that is that uh, they are allegedly just going to like build it and market it as like a halo m model so it's going to be xm which is i don't know like xm radio (laughs) (laughs) i wonder how that all worked yeah i don't know well the last time they did it right was the uh was what was it the m1 or yeah yeah i think so they've only had yeah because they've only had the one other like m dedicated model and i mean that's the thing right like you know me I care more about what it looks like on the inside and outside than what's under the hood mm-hmm. and all that stuff does. And you're right. Like this powertrain sounds crazy. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. impressive, you know, in real life and everything, but I'm just absolutely shocked. Like the design process going on there is, is bonkers to me. You know, what could make me like that G90 <laughs> though. That? Having a V8. <laughs> <laughs> what else do they got going on there? Right. They have that turbo V6 and a couple other things. I don't know. I, I think yeah. I don't follow Genesis that closely. I think some of their products are getting to that point of like needing a new powertrain. So I don't know. Maybe it'll have something new. But there we go. There's industry news from the Lexus perspective. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Bye.